Hello everyone and welcome to the Film Joint Twitter space. Let's talk film. My name is Don Intekim Rex and I'll be your co-host, uh, co-hosting this space with uh, Benga Adilti. And today I'm really looking forward to today's discussion and that's because it's it's a topic that I feel that really resonates with most of us here. You know, as young filmmakers, or you know, at least <laughs> I think all of us here are young filmmakers in a sense. So, like we, like we usually say, some of us have seen Shige in this film industry. We, we can, we like, and it can be very, very hard sometimes. So, the topic for today is everything I wish I knew before going into filmmaking. Um, I really love the topic. It's, it's. Uh, I, I think we're gonna get a lot of insight about, uh, about how, uh, you know, we went into filmmaking. How, how the journey has been so far, and so we can learn a few things from each other. So, and to do us justice to this topic is, you know very popular person i'm sure some of you already know him um he's a nigerian filmmaker and founder of female vision started out as an actor but transitioned into film production um he's regarded as one of the people pushing the new wave of storytelling in new in hollywood and is widely celebrated for his brilliance in the notable african magic drama series which he produced that is Diche, Riona, Riona Ajoche, and you know Itura. So please join me as I welcome with your emoji claps. Yes, I want to see the emoji claps, please. Let's give a round of applause to Mr. James Kalu Omokwe. I can't see the emoji claps, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I can hear. I can hear the emoji claps now. In fact, <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I don't know if you guys want me to just start, you know, talking, or is there a question that's going to be thrown, you know, at okay. me, or you guys just want to hear my experiences, basically? Okay. 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 So I mean, this this is what we do. This is what we do. We're going to start, but this is what we usually do. We usually just ask. Just to ease into the topic, we just used to ask like, what, uh, what has been your journey so far? So I think that can, that can help just ease into the whole discussion, and you can uh, pick it up from there. So like, just tell us what inspired you to go into filmmaking and what has been your journey so far. Okay, thanks. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna, I mean, I'll start, but somehow in the conversation, I would try to talk about some of the mistakes and the things that I thought about. Yeah. Um, you know, but hopefully we learn one one or two things from you know my journey. So again, my name is James. Um, I don't think I'm as popular as Benga puts me out to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is what it is. And I think that my love, I originally never really wanted to do film or TV. I was really more in love with animation. Mm. So, um, but while I was, I, I was growing up, 
I think I started, I started, I mean, I used to love the TV shows and whatnot. I didn't have the opportunity to grow with cable tell and all these other things. So the, the, we used to have one small black and white TV that I just used to manage for o'clock cartoons and then all these other TV shows that I could catch. And I was a bit interested in, you know, how these things were and, and how they were made. So when I was uh, trying to get into university, I, 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 I wanted to study film um uh film and anything that had anything to do with film unfortunately mm -hmm. in, in nigeria we, we didn't have that i think some schools were offering fine arts I, there was just film institute but then again you couldn't tell your, your father that you're going to just your the just mm -hmm. film school they'll tell you it's not a proper school so i opted i told my dad but obviously that conversation didn't go go down you know extremely well and so um to cut the long story short even though I had done a, done a, a degree in 2003 in urban engineering planning, but I, I left and then I came back to say, you know what, screw it, I'll do creative art, since that was the closest thing to anything remotely near, near TV and film. Um, I mean, and I was going to do theater, but I was a very unserious student. I really wasn't going to school. I really didn't care because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. But anyway, fast forward to my third year, I made my first short film which is still on Facebook till today. I cringe when I when I see it. But I mean, so I made the film and then after making the film, I, I was like, you know what, maybe this is something that I wanted to do. So when I finished school, I started working for this guy called Lionel Sidahosa, who apparently we grew up together. I used to be in the same band as, as you know, he was. It's a long story there. Um, but currently mm -hmm. he's the CEO and the convener for Dario Creative Academy. And then, you know, we had met him after school. And I was like, oh, James, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And that was the first time. This was in 2010 that he was doing, uh, he was bringing uh, the New York Film Academy to Abuja. And he asked if, you know, I wanted to work, you know, with him. And I was like, hell yeah, because it had something to do with film. And at the time, even though we were working for him, but I can use the opportunity to be still in classes and just, you know, get a proper education on, you know, film. So we agreed, and then we went to Abuja. But I mean, he was he was um, generous enough to allow us actually take the courses, and then we had a certificate. So I had a diploma from the New York Film Academy for directing for film. Um, so that happened, and then I um I went to serve. Uh, please note that I had started a company called Studio Eighty Four at the time. Because I assumed in, with some degree that I was going to do film, but I didn't, I mean, yes, it was something I wanted to do, but I didn't have the, the liver, in, uh, you know, in quotes. Mm. But I ended up, uh, so I, um, I went to serve and, you know, I was there for, I mean, to give you a bit of context, I came from very humble beginnings. So um, one of the things I used to be very scared of is even being successful because of how, you know, I, I we hustled when we were, you know, kids, me and my senior sister. So when I went to, um, you know, Adamawa State, I served in Adamawa State. Life was good, you know. I think I was working in this radio station called Radio Gotelli. It used to be owned by Atiko Abubakar. And then um, I also had uh, my the NYC was giving me cash. And then I also had... Um, uh, my sister gave me some cash. So I think I was maybe making like 10 something a month or something like that. And life in Adam it was pretty easy. There was no stress. So I, I had just told myself, you know what? 
Let me come and be living in this place. All this filmmaking thing I want to do, forget about it. I'm just gonna live my life here and be a simple nomad. But you know, I watched this movie called The Social Network, which I advise you know people to go and see at some point. Um, it's about uh, Mark Zuckerberg and how he he started Facebook. And I think that that yeah. thing just changed me. I just told myself, what are you doing? You say you want to do film, what's going on? And at that time, the space, the film space was ripe to some degree, was just starting. And this is some kid who's probably in his 20s. I probably even know anything I was doing, so what the hell? So I came back and then um, I left my youth service, six months, please don't tell anyone. And then I came to Lego. <laughs> this was before Boko Haram had actually started. So the excuse I gave my dad was that, ah, they're killing people, so I can't go back. So, um, so I, I came back to Lagos and I was like, okay, what do I do? I want to make a film and I actually want to put the film in the cinemas. I know I don't know anybody. I know I, I haven't, this is my first time, but I will do it. Now, when I was doing NYFA, I'd met uh, someone who, who the long and short story became my wife, um, who had oh. said to me, I, I shared the idea of a story that I had written when I was in school. I'd written it with a guy called uh, Ahamisi G. David. I'd written it with to, him and then my now current partner of my new company. So I don't, we had written this film. I'd called it The Awakening. And so I sat down, you know, with the, the, the woman who's, who's my wife now, who was my producer at the time, to say, listen, how can I raise money to shoot this film? So first mistake I made was that... I had sat down and I had gone and done phantom figures. So I was like, ah, okay, so first of all, we need 30 million to movie. I just called one figure out of my head. So we're gonna make we're gonna use 30 million because I want to make this movie like this, like this, like that, like that. It's gonna be big. These are the kinds of things I want to do, blah, 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 blah. Like I wanted to do a high-end movie, like and that was going to be really high-end. And you know, I said, okay, we'll do that, but now how do we raise cash? So we had done a list and we're like, okay, you know what? If we count maybe 10 of our friends that can give us one million each or 100, 100K each, we shall raise the money and then we'll have it. So we went on this investment drive. And then, you know, in my mind, I was doing Mark Zuckerberg, you know, oh, I can raise money. That was it. Let's go. We shall end up with one million. So um i was like you know what do i do you know how, how do we raise this money and something and then i had a, a good idea and and the idea is a note that i always share with people which is scale down start now so what i had done was i had told myself i was like you know what if i can't shoot the full film at this point in time what i can do is take a scene from the film and then shoot it put it together you know, because the other thing is that when you're telling people about this amazing film, you're like, oh, you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do that. It's in your head. You've watched it, you've edited it, but everybody else doesn't understand what you're saying because it's not in their head. So it's very hard to convince somebody to give you money, especially if you've never done anything before, which at the point in time, I didn't know. So anyway, we shot uh, uh, two nights, we shot five minutes of the film. I, I, I think that's taken off um facebook but it was it was it was okay and then we put that in an investment package and then you know we went and you know showed people so i took it around to a couple of mm -hmm. people showing them and whatnot and, and so on and so forth and blah 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 to cut the long story short um 
on my way back from my service here, which was a couple of years, uh, some months before this time, I met somebody who had seen me in a TV show that I had done. By the way, I used to be an actor. Um, and then she said, oh, what are you doing now? And then I used that opportunity to have my 11-second pitch. I told her I was doing a film and whatnot. And she had said to me that I should come see her and so we can have a conversation. So I did go see her. And she introduced me to this guy who was a northerner. Apparently, they were into oil that time. And then I had played this thing that I had done. And he said to me that he was going to give us four million naira. So for my team, I was like, yes, you know, we have some money. But long as he didn't give us the money. But anyway, um, a couple of months after that time, she called me and said, are you still trying to do this film? And I said, I said, okay, come to the office. I'll give you some cash. So I went to her office in VR. I can never forget that day. And she handed me 700,000 naira in cash. So I jumped on an Okada because I was scared that if I had taken time to walk out of the road, somebody would steal the money from me. And this was the first time I had seen that kind of money in my life. So I drove to um, Oceanic, no, Diamond Bank at the time to deposit the cash. So that was the first money we had um, for the film. And I decided I wasn't going to wait for the 30 million in quotes. We're going to start shooting the film. So we started filming. You know, she gave us 700. Some other guy gave us 500. Some other guy gave us 150. Um, somebody gave us 2 million. And I think the, the entire amount of money we had for the film was 5 million. But here's the second mistake that I made. I was so confident in my film. I was so confident in my process. that When, I, when people were asking me, so how are you going to pay the money back? And I was like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. You know, when the film comes out, it'll be so good. People are going to watch it. So, for instance, if you have, like, 100 seats in a theater, and then, you know, everybody's paying, like, 500 naira, you know, and there are three showings, you'll make X amount, and blah, blah, blah. And I had all these nice projections. And um, I think in the projections, if we're going to spend 5 million naira, we're going to make, like, 60 or 70 million. So I was ready to be one of, like, on my first film, I was ready to hit money. Like, I was, I was already telling my wife then, I was like, ah, we're going to make this money, we're going to be all right, you know. And in 2013, when I got married, the film premiered in the cinema. And to cut the long story short, we made 1.5 million in the box office, and I ended up going home with 400,000. So, um, I had... Five million naira, a five million naira debt to pay to the investors with no money in my account, and I put all my resources into making this film. A couple of things I didn't do, I didn't market, I didn't think about marketing, I didn't think about any other thing. The I was a failure, and then two years in after that, I had said to myself. Because I just got married, I still had that issue. And then I said to myself, okay, you know what? Let me push myself out there as a TV director and see what I could do. So I got two gigs for Ebony Live TV as a director, but it didn't like it was some, it, I mean, it was a good experience working because I'm not going to badmouth, you know, Ebony Live TV with all due respect, but it was a terrible experience in terms of the finances. Because on the second film that we did, I ended up. Yeah, we ended up being bankrupt. Like I, I was messed up financially, and so at the time, my wife was the one who used to take care of you know the family. She was working as a PA to somebody, um, you know, in 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 fear, and I was just a struggling filmmaker because I wanted to be an author, I wanted to be an artist, I wanted to make my movies, I wanted to stay at the red carpet, you know, I wanted to do all that stuff, but I didn't have money. 
And I think at some point my ego came into, into the fray because I remember in 20, my first AMVC nomination was for that film. And we were, we were put together with the likes of Last Flight to Abuja and then some other films. And in my mind, I was like, <laughs> my movie is the shit. It's going to win and we didn't win. So there's my ego deflated. I'm not even any director that anybody knows. We didn't even make money from the film. Worst stuff, we didn't even get an AMVC win. End of career, moving on. Um. So yeah, it'll happen to you at some point. You get depressed and you're like, do I even know? what I'm doing, what's wrong with my life, where am I going, am I even really an artist, maybe I should go and sell granddaughters, etc. 2014, I went to Afrif, uh, it was my first Afrif, um, you know, event, um, Auntie Mildred Oko had invited me and I went there, and during this period, I was, I was really depressed, but anyway, I met a lot of filmmakers, got pumped again, you know, seeing a couple of people who were my mates, and I think I still have a picture because I posted it recently of all of us filmmakers, Tolo Ajayi, Jade Oshiberu, Nala Akindoju, um, the, uh, what's his name now? The guy who does Ojuju, uh, CJ Obasi, like mm. Femme Ubosongo, all of us, we, we, there's this table we sat on. I, I have the picture, I tweeted it at, at some point. So we all sat on because we used to just talk about film and we talked about a lot about how we wanted to see the film industry move forward and just basically our own careers. But in all honesty, that conversation pumped me. But when I was leaving, I was going home deflated because I was going home to a wife I could not fend, fend for. I was going home to, uh, to to even make matters worse. I had borrowed money from her to even be in that place to survive, to eat food mm. and whatnot. And it was even my birthday. I had to borrow money from her for my friend to buy her gifts. Like, you know, do you understand that kind of life? So now I'm just like, oh, it's not even joking. I just see you and say, for me, if you're, okay, I'm going to do film. I'm like, oh my gosh. But you are broke. <laughs> So for me, it was a, you know, like it wasn't working. Nobody was going to give you a chance. And then this is like, you are still at the bottom part of your career because in all honesty, nobody even, I mean, forgive my swear word, but nobody fucking knows you. Like, you're nobody. So even if in that Africa, when I see Kulia Falayo, like Rams, you know, all these people, and then you will now come and say, hi, yeah, you know, <laughs> I make films. They'll be like, yeah. Oh, great to meet you. What have you done? Oh, I did one movie, Awakening. Oh, sorry, we didn't see it. Anyway. Um, so I'd come back and I told myself I was going to change careers. Um, I didn't want to do film. I mean, I wasn't making anybody. So, so what was the point? And I came back. Um, and then, so I have this tribe of friends. And at the time, um, one of them, who is Ike Osakiodua, is now had a show with Mnet called Highlights with Ike. And he had... Um, shot two episodes of the show, one of which he invited me. And IK is such an amazing guy because I mean, the, the email he sent me, I mean, the text message, Hey King, how are you? Then I'd love to see you in my show. Me, my head was tweeting me, said, like, Oh, let me go for the show and go and watch it. But anyway, we went there for the recording, and you know, it was great. But you know, we had gotten there, we had wasted some time, you know, filming, you know, they were just shot doing whatever we shall sort it, and then we got back. So the, so the day that I, I came back from, from Calabar, we had this party. One of our friends, his kid was celebrating their birthday, so we all went there. And that was the day they were premiering that, you know, um, um, that show. So when mm. he finished premiering the show, you know, I asked me to watch the show. So I watched the show. And then he asked me a question. He said, what do you think about the show? So I said, well, you know, based on my experience going and just seeing the show, I feel like this should happen, this should happen, you could have done this, 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 and I'm really just speaking from my experience, and this, I shall, you know, I had a long conversation with him, 
I also need to give you some perspective. Now, before I go to the next thing, I'll say that sometimes as filmmakers, egos kill us. So you see a lot of times on Twitter, especially on social media, where, you know, as artists, we also want to belong, or like we want to show some achievement, no matter how small it is. So we give an impression that things are really okay with us. Meanwhile, we're dying inside. But mm. we are too scared to tell the next person, oh, I want to collaborate with you, or, oh, you know, I, I want to do some work with you, or whatever. So you see, with IK, and I don't think I've ever said this to him, but I say it to a lot of people, like, sometimes when I'm in his midst, I'm always talking about, you know, like, yeah, yeah so I mean, like, give me the show to do, you know, like, I'm just doing it, man, like, uh, me, why not? Like, yeah, I'm doing the show, but I'm dying, <laughs> you know? So when we had that conversation, yeah, when he asked me what I thought about the show, when I finished talking, he said to me, look, man, like, you've really spoken well and everything, that here's the honest truth, like, I've been trying to hire you. But I know you're very busy and you have like some other things to do. I say busy where, sir. I'm not busy. I need work now. At that point in time, which is something I always tell people in the industry, there are times when you have to learn to pivot. So you, you know, there are times when, and, and this is exactly what I did. So there are times when you know you've tried something for so long and you may be good at it. So you may be a screenwriter, you may be a film director, you may be a producer but it's not working for you. You've probably done it two, three, four, five times. Or you've done five projects and nobody cares. Like your CV isn't going anywhere. It doesn't seem you're growing. And sometimes you feel like if I don't, like there's, we have this long suffering thing. Like if I, I just need to keep doing this for 10 years, sometimes you actually just need to pivot. And this is not the first time this has happened to me. This is like basically the second time, which is another conversation for another day. But at that point in time, I decided that I was going to pivot. So as opposed to saying to myself that I was a film director wanting to go to red carpets, trying to be whoever it is that I thought I was going to be with my ego running around, I was like, why don't I produce for this guy? And this is producing for a network. And to be honest, at that time, I didn't even think African Magic was anything. To like, you know when people say, oh, they do African Magic film. Like, they, they look at it as, what, like, yes, African Magic stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but I didn't care. I was like, you know what? Yeah, no problem. I'll do it. And he said, cool, so you're down. I said, I'm down. And then the first day I went on set and, and you know, and so I'll give you a bit of context. So there was a day, I think it was his third show. He had MI as his guest. And then IK used to do radio. And they had shot two episodes, but they finished shooting the second episode by 2 a.m. in the morning. Then we used to shoot at Ikeja. So IK slept in the studio and drove to radio that morning. And this was part of the things he was telling me. And I was like, why would you shoot two episodes of a TV show? Like, I didn't understand it. Why would you do two of a TV show? They finished at 2 a.m. They are telling crew members to come at 6 a.m. in the morning. So basically, what were you doing from 6 a.m. all the way to when you started shooting? So I was like, hell no. So my first production, you know, meeting, and I'll pause here. Um... It's also very important as a filmmaker to be very knowledgeable in what you do. The Bible, I, I mean, I'm not much, I mean, I'm a believer. I don't call myself a Christian, but the Bible says that, you know, um, a man's gift will make a way for you, will make you stand before kings. Sometimes when, we, when we're here in film and TV, uh, the film and TV space, but we assume we know what's going on. And I say this because I've done this for 12 years and seven of those years I've worked in a network so I understand TV structure. I've built structures myself and I don't say this with pride or anything but some of the structures we've built channel visit for other productions, right? 
Mm. A lot of times, people come into this space acting like they know you don't know anything. You have no idea about structure. I think people go and watch BTSs or films and they just assume that I know how to shoot films. Even even actors, the other day we were having a conversation about, you know, actors being on set. I think some actors, and I have no disrespect to actors, sometimes they come on set and, and assume that if my if if I should never wait for the director, like I can't be in a green room and be waiting. That sometimes like mm-hmm. this movie in green rooms and be waiting for ten hours. Maybe they, they have a ten hour day. They wait. They they probably won't shoot anything that day and they will leave. You know. So sometimes people have a misconception of how how you know production works. But anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but be knowledgeable in the things that you know, so that when you're placed in certain situations, you shine above everybody else. So the day I came on my first day of shoot as a producer, in fact, the first day, the director of the show said. He is not available. That's he sent mm-hmm. a message. I'm not available to have another production I'm shooting. I fired him that day in that morning. I said, yeah, no, seriously, you can't be here. So I fired him. And then everybody was like, so what do we do? I said, I direct. We direct the show. So I went upstairs, told them to turn on the multi-cam and whatever. And I went and told them, this is how I'm going to do it. So we came at 6 a.m. I told them I was giving them two hours to arrange the hall, clean it up, get the guests there. I told them from pre-production that the guests need to arrive at seven and we start rolling at nine. Ladies and gentlemen, we rolled at nine, shot two episodes and we went home by three. I did that. I think we used to shoot three times. I, I really don't remember, but I think we we're shooting every day. Also. I, I don't remember anyway, but we shot shot the first season. Shot it. I delivered the episodes on time and I saved him money. Mm. Like he was so happy, he flew me and my wife to Dubai for holiday, first time in my life. In fact, the first time I had received money, I had received three months' salary at once. It was one point four million. I stopped at the Koyi Bridge and I was shouting because I'd never received that kind of money in my life in my entire life. I think the highest money they ever paid me for anything in my life before that time was three hundred thousand. This is my the money they gave me for my film. I'm not talking about money I used for film. I say my own money. Mm. You know, I had done that for two years. Now, in all these things I'm saying with, you know, what you must do, what you shouldn't do, there's also God's grace, time and chance. Pastor Paul said something one time. He said, there's no such thing as opportunity comes but once. There is only a thing as that opportunity is always available. You need to build yourself up to the point to meet that opportunity and use it. I'll give you an example. There are always job openings in newspapers every Tuesday. I've been mean, every Thursday. The only problem is that when they are calling for a doctor, you're not a doctor. Maybe you have to go to school, learn to be a doctor, and then that opportunity, if it's still available, will be available to you. So my point is, sometimes the right opportunity meets you at the right time in your life. And I say this to say, that during the AMVCA nominations that I had mentioned years ago, I met a lady, and this is to further my story. And, you know, when we didn't win, I sat down with breakfast, or uh, the breakfast table the next day with Ike, my wife, his wife, and um, this woman and Eddie Lawani. And we were talking about production. Talking, 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 and she got very interested. That woman became Wangimba Mba Uzoku. Who, let, who was um, head of the channel for Africa Magic and is now head of originals for Amazon TV or Prime Video, rather. Now, before I got this job with IK, she had offered me a, a head of production position in Africa Magic. One day she just called IK and said, Call out your friend. I'm very, that thing that he was talking to me about the other day, I liked it. Call him, let's have a meeting. So they, they gave me 
um she called me i was in my pjs that day she said she comes to the office now she's going to south africa she wants to interview me so we had an interview she asked me about my experience in film but she asked me do you have experience in tv i stuttered she said don't worry they'll call you from south africa so they called me from south africa asked me the same question but i didn't have experience in tv so i didn't get the job and i was quite upset now fast forward to this ik's job that i was doing for two years remember when i said time and chance that job working there and i didn't even know this was my tv experience because two years after i did that show wangi calls me up and says come come let's have a conversation you're producing the show is really good and you guys deliver on time and whatever have you ever considered doing a television show for african magic i was like that, that. she was like go and give me three samples of a show we'll choose one and we'll do it so i went back did some samples of some TV shows. They actually chose one. It was 40 episodes and it was called Head Over Hills. And the budget for that TV show was $400,000. Do you see? This was in 2015. Now, remember, all this story I'm telling you is from 2013 up until now. So this is now three years gone. So I do that show. But then my ego kicked in because I was now one of the youngest executive producers around. But I was like, you people are not my mates. I'm doing $400,000 TV show. Shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out. But I did that show. Got some girl to do production design. And, you know, I had some really good ideas. But the long and short story, that show was the, the deadly, like it was the deadest show. Ever. It was terrible. And I don't talk about that show much, but African Magic uses it to punish me all the time because they still show it till today. They show it in the middle of the night. It's called Head Over Hills. It was so terrible. It was so terrible that I was on holiday. They were sending me non-TXable emails. I'll explain what that means. It means that your show cannot TX on the air. It's not like it's having problems. And that's the worst thing you can get, right? And, you know, eventually we fixed it and, and we managed to get it, you know, to air. But it was, a very ter- it was a terribly done show by my standards. And to be honest, I thought my career was over. Because I felt that, you know, what my ego had gotten to me, I felt that was the best thing since sliced bread. But look at where we are. In 20, so during that period, I shut my company down, which was Studio 84, and I had formed FEMO in 2015. Because for me, I wanted a new start. I wanted it to rebrand my ideas. And I wanted to, I just wanted to redo my film experience again. And so... Um, one of the things that I had decided to do was to concentrate on authentically African content. I didn't want to 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 compete with anybody. I didn't want to compete with anybody doing glam shows. I didn't want to do all that stuff. I wanted to create niche content. So I had gone in, gone to learn, relearn myself. I said, look, if you want to be special in this life, you have to learn to stand out. In 2017, Wangi calls me up and says... James, I want to invite you for a story workshop. I said, okay. So I go to the story workshop and then we're discussing some shows and then they're talking about this show that's supposed to be a traditional show because African Magic was going into um, the direction of going away from their glam shows. Fast forward to a year before this story workshop, we had gone and shot something called Ojuri. If you scroll through my Instagram, you see it. So for us as a company, when we decided to tell authentically African stories, we went again to do a test shoot, wrote a script, took five minutes of the show and did an epic thing. So while I was in this, in this story workshop, I was so excited. You know, Wangi wanted, you know, she, she had some ideas. And then she said to me, um, 
yeah, so what kind of, you know, want to do this show and this is my idea. So I went and showed her the thing. I said, listen, like this epic thing you're talking about, we've done something like this before. So I showed her. And to be honest, all I wanted to do was be a consultant on the show. I didn't even, I had no idea why I was there, but I wanted to be a consultant on, on the show. So I had okay. said to her, like, you know, this is what we've done. I'll send it to you. I'll send you some of the storyboard designs. I'll send you all that stuff. This is it. And she was like, I beg, I beg, I beg, James, leave me alone. George, don't worry. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. And that was it. So I went off. Three months later, somebody called me and said, oh, you have a company? I said, yes, you have tax certificates and whatever. I said, yes. I said, okay. And then one day calls me and says, congratulations, James, you're the executive producer for this show. Now, the name of the show was called The Kingdom at the time. And we had decided that we were going to do it as an Idoma show. And then it was called Adjoche. And that was my first epic show. And I did three of those shows back to back. Well, even more than three. So I did a Joche. I consulted for Unbroken. I did Riona. I did Itura. And then we went ahead to do, you know, DJ as a side. Which obviously that's the end of my story. But a couple of things just <laughs> I summarized is this. Um, the question is everything I wish I knew before going into filmmaking. Number one, mm. kill your ego. I mentioned this before. The mm. number of times, especially with social media, you think you are the hottest thing since sliced bread. I promise you, you are not. Kill it. The best way to become the best at what you do is to sit at the table and listen and learn. Best thing to do. When you're in a place where people are talking, listen and learn. Don't be the first to open your mouth and say, oh, I know what's happening. You don't know anything. In the, the honest truth is, I'm 39 years old. I made my first TV show when I was 34 or thereabouts. I've done 42,000 plus minutes of TV. I don't, there's only one man in this country that has more numbers than I have. That I have. His name is Rogers Ofime. I mean, I'm sure if I go back and calculate, and that's because of a show called The Johnsons, but I'm second on that list. And I'm one of the youngest executive producers. When I I keep my mouth shut when I listen. I speak when I need to speak, but there's always something to learn from everybody else. Number two, the other thing that I wish I knew was I wish I knew to collaborate. Because a lot of times, we think we can do it on our own. I'm the one that has the brightest mm -hmm. ideas. I'm the one that has this. Oh, this is what I'll do. So, for instance, TV shows we do, I have a staff of over 100 people. And the truth be told, what you see on TV doesn't come from my head. It's not all of it that comes from my head. I have an idea. I tell them this is how I need it to go. Sometimes for some TV shows, somebody else brings the idea. So I'll give you an example for DJ. Perfect example. I don't know how many of us have watched DJ. DJ is somebody else's idea. It's if I actually Barbara's idea. But the, when we're having the conversation, the show was supposed to be strictly a who done it and it was, Please, I don't spoil it for anybody. Spoiler alert if you are here. Go and watch it. <laughs> but the show was supposed to be a schiz It was supposed to be that she was schizophrenic. That's how the show was supposed to be. But, you know, I I and somebody and somebody else added um, all that spiritual thing. Because I was like, we're telling African stories. Why are we, why are we trying to be American? Oh, I'm schizophrenic. Oh, my God. So we added all that other stuff. But the point is that 
for you to tell some of the best stories and for you to do some of the most amazing things is collaboration. And the more you tell people that you're collaborating, like I'm very good at telling people, look, I collaborated. I don't think I take all the glory. I mean, if I've done that, then I should, I should be, you know, talked down on. But I always try to make sure that, look, we all did this together because it's not my idea. I can't take all the glory. Collaboration. Number three, you can't, like, the one thing I knew, I wish I knew was starting small. It's easier to do smaller, smaller projects and make a name for yourself than try to do one big project and probably fail at it and never have the resources to do another one. Start small, scale down, start small. Very, very, very important. I've been talking to some guys recently. I uh, tweeted something and I said, if you're in pre-production or whatever, have a conversation with me. I'd like to you know, you know, see what you guys are doing and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes some people tell me, oh, they want to do this, they want to do that, they want to do this, this, this. I have this idea, back, 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 back. And, you know, I have a budget of one million. How much have you raised? Well, I've raised 100K. Okay. Jonathan. So, and I always ask them, so what if you don't get the rest of the money? What happens? And then I always say, start small. So, tweak your story. Okay, so maybe you have a drone shot of Victoria Island, but you can't do a drone shot. Then find another thing. Maybe you stick a tripod on your roof and shoot something else right scale down uh the other thing and i know i mentioned a couple of things but the i think the last one um the last one is always read and try to be knowledgeable i do a lot of studying so i have hit adhd so i can't read it i can't like if i'm reading i'll just be looking at the words but it's not interesting so sometimes i'll take my time to you know, read, read and sometimes i don't have the time so i do a lot of watching so i do like master class i do like youtube videos Charles want to get your hands on a lot of materials um you know read um just understand the industry that you're in it's not like it's not don't go and watch bts videos and just pretend like that and be a director or producer or whatever study go and visit sets just go somewhere intern tell somebody oh i, I want to work for free for two weeks or maybe not two weeks so i just want to be on set and observe for two days right mm. you know, just observe and then what is also important is that you understand the space in which you're operating in. A lot of people have no idea how the business of, of, of Nollywood works. None whatsoever. And it's very interesting because recently I was talking to somebody and the guy was like, listen, man, like, you know, when I make this film, like Fungi Akindele is doing 600 million. I can do that. You know, I'm taking that money home. I'm like, bro, you don't you have no idea that you that money is 30 percent of that cash you are carrying to your house jordan you have no idea how the business works you don't know what tv licensing deals are you have no idea what commissioning deals are as you're sitting down there you say i want to i want to do an amazon deal your mind you think they're paying you five million dollars but you have no idea how it works not asking questions nothing and i think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't understand the business of filmmaking a lot of us are just in it for the creative side and there's mm. nothing wrong with that but you must either know the business side or know somebody who knows the business side and collaborate mm. thank you very much guys all right